Well, I can barely talk. Arrowhead is a rocking place, and it is another good week to be a Chiefs fan. Let's talk some Chiefs, guys. Welcome to the Chief in the North podcast, the land of 10,000 takes. And this week it is the land of the very hoarse-voiced 10,000 takes. I'm your host, Minnesota Chiefs fan, or Seth Kaiser. And man, it is a beautiful day in the neighborhood, my friends. Um, I'm recording this on Tuesday evening after having spent Monday night where God intended for us to be, really, at Arrowhead screaming at the Washington Redskins in what was the loudest game I've ever attended, including the playoff game last year. Um, You can hear it in my voice. I am shot. I had to drive throughout the night to get back to uh, Minnesota to attend a hearing today. And so it was just, it's been hectic, but it was totally worth it. And so you're going to have to put up with me having a completely weird voice today. And we'll soldier through together because there's just too much great stuff to talk about. Starting with the fact that the Chiefs are undefeated. 4-0. They are indisputed. Undisputed, indisputably, indubitably. No, we're going with undisputed. The best team in the NFL. No one's arguing it. Not Raiders fans, not Broncos fans. Well, they probably are, but who cares what they think anyway. It is just an awesome day. There's a lot to discuss today. I want to talk about the Chiefs-Redskins game, the, the aura that was Arrowhead that night, the crowd in general, how Alex Smith played, what 4-0 means. I want to talk about Kareem Hunt and Albert Wilson, the interior offensive line. I'm going to have a big segment on Reggie Ragland, who got saw his first real action and got really thrown in there. He actually started for Rameek Wilson after Rameek Wilson was introduced with the starters, interestingly enough. I want to talk about Marcus Peters a little bit, and I want to preview the Houston game, and that's just a, there's other stuff too. So we got a lot to get through and not a lot of time. So let's just jump right into it. Um, that was an incredible game on Monday night. Best game I've ever been to live after a, just a horrific start in the first quarter. Uh, you know, the Chiefs went down 10-0. LDT got hurt. Uh, Dustin Colquitt had an unbelievable shank of a punt. Started to smell shades of the Pittsburgh loss last year on Sunday night football. And everyone was getting a little tense in Arrowhead. Um, but the Chiefs didn't panic. They they kept their heads. The defense stepped up. And then the offense stepped up when necessary. And they made some plays down the stretch, and it was just a blast to be there. It was so great. Um, The Redskins turned out to be better than I thought they were. I spent all week saying that I wasn't too sure about the Redskins, predicting a, a handy Chiefs win, because I just couldn't believe that beating the Raiders showed me much. Well, the Redskins, man, they showed up. They were a solid team. They've got a very good defense, very physical, very, very physical, very good defensive line. They swarmed the ball. They hit hard. They play pretty smart. Um, We caught Cousins on a good Kirk Cousins night for the most part, which makes things a little bit more difficult. Um, You know, they were just a decent team overall, and, you know, that would mark – The Chargers are the worst opponent the Chiefs have had this year by far, and they're still a very talented team. But that's three opponents now the Chiefs have beaten that are legitimate playoff contenders that the Chiefs have sent packing with a loss, which is just fantastic. I love the fact that the Chiefs showed resiliency. Um, 
That's the second time this year they've had a deficit. You know, they were down at halftime to the Patriots. Things looked ugly. And then they were down by 10 early in the first quarter. Things look ugly. But this team is never out of it. They just, they really aren't. Whether, you know, fans in the stands, oh, it's over. I actually heard a few of those. It was great. Um, and it, it just, they're never out of it. And it was really cool to see the toughness, how they went shot for shot with a physical team. Um, one thing that the broadcast, I'm not sure, really picked up, the Redskins were chirping all night. There was almost a fight pregame. Um, I mean, it was just, it was ugly. I mean, there was just, the, the Redskins in between plays, their, uh, their, their safety, his name is escaping me off the top of my head, which really isn't okay. The long-haired one, whose name I really should know because I was like, hollering at him a lot of the night um they were just chirping all night talking so much trash it was a really chippy game a really physical game and it's great to see the chiefs walk away with a win against a team like that because in the past toughness wasn't something they necessarily had the chiefs once again own the fourth quarter they're a fourth quarter team that is who they are and it's great to see an identity there they close strong Kareem Hunt especially closes strong Alex Smith has played his best ball in the fourth quarter of every game except the Chargers game I mean it they've just been closing strong and so man they they're just uh it was so interesting seriously the atmosphere of Arrowhead was just electric all night um, the tailgating was awesome, of course. Everything was wonderful. I actually got a chance to run into some of you. Actually, maybe too many to really name right now. Um, you know, a big shout-out. I got a free I, – I got an Eric Berry jersey from Eric and Tucker who were so great to give that to me. I had some people give me food. I had someone buy me a lunch at Joe's. I mean, you guys are just awesome. It was unbelievable. You guys were kind to my sister who, who, I, who I brought along to see, like, only her second Chiefs game at Arrowhead. She's a huge fan. And it was just awesome, a great experience. And like I said, the, 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 the whole atmosphere at Arrowhead was electric. You could tell people are excited about the undefeated season. Arrowhead filled up to near capacity, and it was just loud. It was, I mean, it was so loud. I, I really can't get off that point. The third down, the final third down of the game where Doxson dropped that pass, pre Snap! That was as loud as I've ever heard, heard Arrowhead. You couldn't hear yourself think. It was fantastic. Um, it was just such a great atmosphere. And so now the Chiefs are 4-0. So what does that mean? Well, you know, it means that they've beaten, like I said, three playoff contenders and another talented division opponent on the road. <laughs> on the road, I guess. You can't see, but I'm doing air quotes because let's face it, San Diego, or not San Diego, L.A., Chargers isn't really a home game for them at this point, but what are you going to do? That's not the Chiefs' fault. Um, as far as 4-0, I mean, there's a reason no one else in the NFL is 4-0. It is, always has been, and, and until they find a way to change the game of football, always will be a parody-driven league. You just never know. There's a reason they say any given Sunday. That particular cliche is true. It's tough to win four games in a row in the NFL, especially at the beginning of the season where everything's kind of weird and wonky, and especially when you play multiple good teams. And that's what's happened with the Chiefs, and they've done it. They are undoubtedly the best team in the NFL right now. Played a tough opponent who really came out, the Chiefs kind of came out flat, honestly. I think Andy Reid diagnosed it pretty well when he said the Chiefs almost came out 
which sounds weird to mix this with saying they look flat, but almost overexcited, and the execution wasn't there. They just didn't really look like they had it. And then when the Redskins came out and punched them in the mouth, you saw them kind of get the energy sucked out of them for a bit, but they weathered the storm. They are a tough team. They can win in a variety of ways, and it's just it's it's good to see them gut it out and make plays when it was necessary. I mean, now we've seen them come back when you've got, you know, 50 seconds left on the clock and two timeouts. They drive down the field to get the game-winning field goal. That's not something you would have thought the offense was capable of doing last season, and you only saw it a few times last season. And it was just interesting watching them evolve. And, of course, Albert Wilson was the hero of the game. We're going to talk about that later. I don't think any of us saw that coming. And if you say you did, well, all due respect, but you're a liar because no one saw that coming. It's a big deal that they are 4-0. It's a big deal that they're playing as well as they are. And like I keep saying, it's a good time to be a Chiefs fan, a great time. And speaking of a good time to be a Chiefs fan, i got to talk about Alex Smith. Um, you know, Alex, outside of one game against San Diego, he had a very average Alex Smith kind of game from like what we saw in 2016. Not, he had multiple games in 2016 that were worse. He was still pretty efficient, didn't make any major mistakes, but other than one bomb to Tyreek Hill, didn't really do a whole lot and wasn't asked to do a whole lot. Um, it was a different gig against the Redskins. He was getting knocked around all night and he did have some happy feet at times from it. Um, you got to remember, this is a guy who is playing without his entire interior offensive line. All three starting offensive linemen are out. Anger, Morse, and LDT were all out. And it showed. And Smith was getting knocked around, and that is a physical defense. And unlike what happened last week with the Chargers, where Alex wasn't really asked to do much, he really had to make some plays in this game to open up the offense. He made some brilliant throws to Travis Kelsey. He made a couple of really tough throws to Albert Wilson and Tyreek Hill. He made a couple of he made a couple of good ones to Chris Conley. I mean, they they he just played an overall good game. He had some incredibly important scrambles. It was great seeing him use his athleticism again. Um, just uh, when, when he, he, he had that big run down the right sideline where he could have run out of bounds, but instead he tried to truck the safety and you know what? He ended up getting slammed pretty hard, but I loved it. Yeah. The smart play is to go out of bounds. Absolutely. That's the smart play, but he tried to truck him instead. And I love it. I love seeing Alex with this new kind of screw it to, <laughs> paraphrase him in, in an interview that most of you have probably seen by now where he says his attitude this year is more of a screw it attitude. Uh, it's great to see that translate on the field. Um, the throw he made to Wilson on the final drive where he rolled right, he had some real estate in front of him where he could have gained a few yards scrambling and instead just launched a beautiful pass down the sideline. Wilson made a good catch. I mean, but that was just, that's what you want to see from him. Eyes up, made a play when it counted. And after that throw, I knew it was just a matter of time. The Chiefs were going to win that game. I knew it beyond a shadow of a doubt. Um, you know, I, I took a lot of flack from a lot of people and still am taking a lot of flack from a lot of people about the fact that I've been saying all preseason that I think Patrick Mahomes could run the offense without a noticeable huge drop off from Alex Smith. Look, I stand by what I see in Patty Mahomes' tape. I think the guy can play. But, you know, that's more of an argument about Patrick Mahomes. Here's what I will say. What we're seeing from Alex this year 
as opposed to what we saw last year, would be much more difficult to replace. Alex has been playing well. Three out of four games, he's played very well for the Chiefs. And he, his, if, if the San Diego Chargers game, San Diego again, never going to be able to not do that. If the LA Chargers game is the new floor for him. That was kind of his average game last year. So if that's the new floor, I can live with that. And I, I'm telling you, if Alex had played this well last season, throughout the entirety of the season, I don't know if the Chiefs trade up to draft the Patrick Mahomes. Um, does that mean I think anything's different with regards to next year? No, I really don't. I, I Barring Alex going full bore MVP level and playing at this exact level all year and the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl, I think the Chiefs are going to pick the money and run and go with Mahomes because I do think Mahomes is a special player. But I, I'm really, as I was driving home uh, with my sister from the game, you know, we turned on the radio and I think it was... Uh, it was like it was it was six ten I think and like the first like five callers that I listened to were just talking about Patrick Mahomes versus Alex Smith and it was all the same stuff that we heard in the preseason and I realized I am done viewing what Alex Smith is doing through the prism of talking about Patrick Mahomes Alex Smith is playing good football and it's great to watch because he's a good guy a team guy and it's good to see him succeed um, this is a uh, this this is the, the, the best case scenario. What I said in the preseason, as I said what I thought Mahomes could do, I said I hope Alex crushes it this year and has his best season as a Chief. And right now, Alex is well on his way to having by far his best season as a Chiefs quarterback. And I just I don't think it could happen to a better dude from all appearances. I think it's great to watch. I hope he continues to crush it. As far as a decision that needs to be made next year, I don't really care. I'm all in for a Super Bowl run this year. And I think they've got the goods to do it. They've shown they can beat playoff-level teams. They can beat them at home. They can beat them on the road. They can come from behind to win. They can hold on and stay ahead the whole time to win. The Chiefs are a legitimately very, very good, very, very tough team, even when not everything is going right. And that's exactly what you saw against the Redskins, because not everything went right. You know, pass rush wasn't able to do much against a pretty solid offensive line, and you know, they still managed to make it happen. You know, Marcus Peters had an uncharacteristically poor day, and they still made it happen. Um, this is a good team, and a big part of that, really, Sam Mellinger wrote a great article on it. Um, a big, big part of it has been the level of play we've seen from Alex Smith, um, just just playing the best ball of his Chiefs career right now, and it's so fun to watch. I hope he keeps it up because Houston's going to be a tough one. So I got a ton more I want to talk about with regards to the offense, um, but first we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about Kareem Hunt, who we've officially, I mean, I've talked about him a lot here already. But he keeps doing it, and so we got to keep talking about him. And so we're going to cover him when we come back. All right, Kareem Hunt, he is not human. Um, I don't know how to better describe watching him play live. Uh, he's impressive on TV, make no mistake. He he moves well. He's decisive. I wrote an article about him last week on Arrowhead Pride about what he does special about his vision and his decisiveness and his power and all that stuff. Live is even more impressive because you really get a feel for the the uncanny way he shakes tacklers. He always, always gets more yardage than you think he should get. Uh, it, it's 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 scary how hard it is to tackle him for a stuff or for a loss. 
Um, he had one play in particular, you know, where he where he jumped over a I don't I can't remember if it was a linebacker or a safety that had filled the gap immediately. I believe it was a linebacker. He jumped over the diving tackle, then got hit immediately by the safety and still dragged that safety forward three yards. He is just a freak, and he's so much fun to watch live. I would just say with regards to Kareem Hunt, because I've already talked about his skill set, none of that's any different other than to say he's special to watch live. If you get a chance to go this year, definitely go. He alone is worth the trip because the way he explodes through any hole that the offensive line gives him is a real treat to watch. Um, I would say with Kareem Hunt, there are two things that are making the Chiefs offense different this year than what we saw last year, by my eye. And yeah, Andy Reid's new system, which has essentially been like an incorporation of the spread offense and the read option offense, and then kind of merging that with West Coast concepts. He's basically, and I read a few great articles about this last week, he's basically created a new offensive system, which has been great to watch, and it's been very effective. So that has been a difference, but Besides Alex Smith play, Alex Smith's play, which has been a big factor in the offense having more success, I would say the biggest factor has been Kareem Hunt. Um, what you see from him is even when the rest of the offense is stagnant or when something bad happens, he is an equalizer. For example, the Chiefs were facing late in the game, second and 19, and a sack had taken them out of field goal range, and Hunt took the ball up the middle for a 16-yard gain to put him right back in the field goal range. He, it's like having a human cheat code. I would say this. I've watched quite a few other running backs play this year. And, you know, base stats are a bad way to judge an individual player. But you and I have been watching Hunt play, and we know he's earning those stats. This isn't a matter of some garbage time crap where he's running against prevent defenses or anything like that. Um, you look at his stats and you watch him play. I have no problem saying that right now Kareem Hunt is playing the best out of any running back in the NFL. And I, I put on Twitter last week, I said, you know, you can't name five running backs you'd take over Kareem Hunt. And I had a lot of people respond, a lot of non-Chiefs fans tell me I was being a homer. You know, you'd take Ezekiel Elliott, you'd take LeVan Bell. And I had one guy tell me Joe Mixon. That was weird. But, you know, a healthy Johnson. And, you know, you, you, you kind of name, you know, David Johnson. You, you, you name all these guys. But here's what I'd say. I mean, right now, Hunt is playing way better than Bell. He's playing way better than Zeke. Johnson is injured, and that guy's a stud, make no mistake. But just watch him play. He is independent of his blocking. He doesn't necessarily need great blocking. It's almost like watching a, a smaller, faster version um, of, 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 a, of prime Marshawn Lynch. Is, is what you see, those same quick cuts. He, he's a little bit, he, he's, he, he maybe doesn't have quite as good a vision, but he's got more burst. He's got more wiggle if he doesn't have more direct power. Got a little more top-end speed. I mean, it's not a perfect player comparison. And no one really is. A lot of people are trying to compare him to Priest Holmes, and I love Priest Holmes, but he doesn't have the same vision. Um, and he, he's got more wiggle than Holmes did, although Holmes had a fair amount of wiggle himself. But, I mean, Kareem Hunt, the best comparison I can get with how hard it is for guys to bring him down, is a prime Marshawn Lynch. Um, I think it was Josh Briscoe I saw tweet out. He said, it seems like when it's Hunt one-on-one against any defender, it seems like he wins nine times out of ten. And it does. He's so tough to tackle. 
And I would just say, I I don't think there's a running back in the NFL right now that I would trade for Kareem Hunt, especially when you factor in contract issues. Because guess what? The Chiefs have him for a few more years on the cheap. Um, You combine that with his receiving ability, uh, and every week it looks like he's improving his pass blocking. It's just awesome to see. Uh, He is a superstar already, and the sky is just the limit for this guy. Another guy on offense that deserves his own segment, and this is to the surprise of everyone, is Albert Wilson. Wilson has been an interesting case study this season because going into it, I wasn't really sure if there's a place for him on the roster. I talked a lot about his lack of ability to track the deep ball. Some people say, and I agree, that he tends to have some alligator arms when he's on traditional wide receiver routes. Um, he's not a particularly good route runner. I've always said he's got a skill set. You know, he can run the ball well after the catch. Real good blocker. You know, he's got a skill set. Um, well, what Andy Reid has done this year to make Albert Wilson go from kind of a fan goat to some people are starting to really appreciate him, including me, is they've limited his role. You don't see him running a lot of traditional wide receiver routes anymore. You see him running some, but not a ton of them. You don't see them trying to send him on go routes and target him there because it's just not his skill set. What you see instead is him involved a lot in this read option game they've been running with multiple options. They've seen him lined up at H-back. They've got him running potential or real jet sweep actions. And by doing so, you're taking advantage of his skill set. By dumping the ball off to him short. You're taking advantage of his skill set. He's a good runner after the catch when he's got a little room to work with. He's tough to bring down. He's pretty quick. He's got good vision in the open field, usually follows blockers well, and they're using him in that way. They're using him like basically a almost misplaced running back, and that's how he should be used because that's his skill set. And because of that, he's had a lot more success this year, and that's been really fun to watch. In particular, Monday night, and two of the most critical plays of the game. Obviously, there was the deep ball from from Alex Smith, and that was huge. And Wilson gathered it in. So yeah, I'm sitting here saying he should he doesn't run deep routes, and then of course he did that. That was a bit of a busted play, so it was a little different. But he gathered it in, and he made the play when it was necessary. He also, I would say, the other biggest play of the game was the the play where the ball bounced off Kelsey when he got hit. It was a horrible non-called pass interference play, but the ball bounced up in the air right in the vicinity of three different Redskin players, and I thought it was a sure pick, and Wilson came out of nowhere and snatched the ball away from all of them. And because of that, they prevented a pick, and they were able to put some points on the board. And in such a close game, in a game that was so back and forth, that was crucial. And that was a, you know, everyone talks about, you know, the any given a given Sunday speech, you know, game of inches, right? Football's a game of inches. And you want that guy who's going to fight and scrap and claw for that inch. That was what you're talking about there. Is that sometimes just like a, a meme or just, you know, something to say, a cliche? Sure. But sometimes it's true. And in that case, getting in there and snatching the ball from three guys who are bigger than him, that is just wanting it more. Everyone else hesitated, including Chiefs players, including Kelsey, who was busy turning to the refs to complain. I'm not going to complain to Kelsey because he had seven catches for 111 yards and a touchdown and was a monster out there. But Wilson did not hesitate. He swooped in there and maybe saved the game. It's been really rewarding seeing Wilson used the way he should be. And as a result, I think he's extended his stay here in Kansas City. Um, it's a really good example of how much usage 
and scheme matters when you're gauging a player. And I think that's sometimes something that we as fans forget. Something that I forget, even though I'm supposed to be an analyst, sometimes I forget that we can get so wrapped up in what a guy can't do that we forget about what he can do and how you could tailor things around those skills. Great coaches, yeah, they go out there and they, they, they hopefully find guys that fit their system, but they also adapt their system to fit the guys they have, and that's what Andy Reid's done with the system he has this year. And so Albert Wilson deserves a lot of credit. Another area of the offense that I have been looking into a little, but I'm going to have to dig into a lot more film is the interior offensive line. Like I mentioned, all three guys that finished the game on Monday night were subs. Uh, you, you had three guys who weren't supposed to be starting this year. Hopefully Mitch Morse is back pretty soon, even though Zach Fulton's done an admirable job replacing him. LDT's injury, we'll see how long he's out. That didn't look good. He wasn't putting any weight on it whatsoever, some kind of knee strain. Could be that he was just being cautious. That's a shame because LDT was having a monster year prior to getting hurt. And so... It was really unfortunate seeing him get hurt, and I'm really fearful for what that'll mean for the offensive line as a whole because you saw a few more problems running the ball once he was out. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, But that said, the guys that came in, they didn't do a horrible job. Um, The pressure was noticeable, especially the, the pocket getting crushed a little bit. But they fought. They they did some good things, too. And I'm going to probably be reviewing some of them a little more in depth than, hey, they fought and they did some good things. But I just think it's interesting that in a day and age where everyone talks about the lack of offensive line depth, not even just the lack of offensive line depth, but the lack of offensive line talent in the NFL, there are a lot of teams that starter talent is terrible. And in that day and age where so many offensive lines are tanking so many teams and destroying their 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 offenses, it's interesting to me that Andy Reid is able to scheme his way around having all three interior linemen missing. And it's also a credit to Zach Fulton and Witzman and, I mean, the, the fact that they've managed to play just well enough to get by. And that's all you need from your subs. Fulton, I think, has done a little more than that. I think Fulton's a guy who could start at center on some teams. Unfortunately for him, he's backing up a fantastic center in Mitch Morse. So hopefully we see the guys get healthy again. Hopefully LDT isn't out long because he was having a borderline all-pro year, in my opinion. He was playing so well. So we'll see what happens with that. Um But I want to move to the defensive side of the ball. I had a lot of you ask me about Reggie Ragland because, I mean, let's face it, None of us had any idea he'd be starting. Rameek Wilson was introduced with the starters prior to kickoff. And then suddenly, I mean, Raglan saw virtually all the defensive snaps where there was an extra linebacker. And so I, I, I rewatched the game and I took some notes. And there were a few things that I noticed about him. One was that he often seemed in charge of adjusting the defensive linemen and where they were lining up. And multiple times he would, you know, you'd see that DJ does it all the time. Although this game, Raglan did a lot of it. You see him tapping the, the, the legs or the butts of the, of the defensive linemen on one side or another and telling them to shift. And he shifted them to the place that the run was going multiple times. That was very cool to see. Um, well, he had a really ugly play early on a run left 
that ended up gaining a solid 15 yards or so where he first he hit the wrong gap, then he lost track of where the ball was, then he hit the ball carrier about five yards down the field, and he missed the tackle. And you had almost an extra 8 to 10 yards gained because of that. That was a really rough snap for him early. Um, things got better for him. What I... What I liked about what I saw from Ragland, he looks a little faster than what I expected uh, based on what little I'd seen of him. He looks strong. He, I saw him shed a few blocks. I saw him stuff a few blocks. He looks like he's very thick and tough to move. Um, he, he, he forced a, a, a double team on a, on, a, on a run left that was very impressive where he just stonewalled the tight end and the left tackle was forced to help with him. Um, now, he ended up getting washed when he was playing against both of them, but no linebacker in the league is expected to take on double teams, really. Um, the fact that he even forced it allowed other defenders to come in and help because the left tackle couldn't block the guy he was supposed to because Raglan took him on. Um, so he, he's, he's definitely strong. He's got a little more speed than I expected. When he was asked to drop in his zone coverage, he seems to get good depth, and he seems comfortable in zone. He doesn't look fast enough, I don't think, to be effective in man consistently, but he seems to have a good understanding of, of, of where he's supposed to be. Um, his instincts seem good, generally speaking, but... I will say he did look a little hesitant at times. I think he's still getting used to the play speed of the NFL, personally. Um, he seems a bit slow in recognition. And at times I caught him backpedaling against the run, which is a cardinal sin for a linebacker. You, you can't be moving backwards. You've got to be moving forwards. Or, man, if you're going to hesitate, at least stay where you're at. Either way, um, he needs to get a little more uh, quick at taking on blockers at the point of attack. Um, but these are things that could come with time. This is his first real action in, you know, basically ever at the NFL level. And so he's also coming off a significant injury. And so I'm willing to see what he does. Obviously, they like him or they wouldn't be giving him this shot over Ramik. Um We'll see what happens. His, like I said, his instincts seem good. He seems to generally get to the right place, but his recognition is a bit slower than I'd like. Um, we'll see if he becomes a bit more of a thumper moving forward. In this game, like I said, there was a little too much backpedaling, a little too much hesitation. I didn't quite see that thumper role um, that I was hoping to see from him. But the few times that he did get in there, he hits hard. He seems like a, some players just seem to have kind of natural leverage or natural weight to him. And he's one of them. So he was. There was a lot of interesting stuff to watch with uh, with Ragland, and I'm really curious seeing him moving forward. I assume he'll get another chance against Houston. I think you can see some raw materials there for a, a strong inside linebacker uh, playing next to DJ in a more uh, thumper role. I think he's got the goods to do it. It'll be interesting to see how he does moving forward. So. I, I've, I've got high hopes for him to an extent, but until I see him backpedaling less and being a little less hesitant, there's always going to be kind of a hedged hope there. And so um, I've got a few more things I want to talk about, including Marcus Peters, the pass rush, and then previewing the Houston game. But for right now, we're going to take another break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about all of those things and maybe a little bit more. All right, Marcus Peters. A lot of people have a lot of opinions about Marcus Peters for a variety of reasons, not all of which I'm going to get into right now. Um, there's no disputing that he's a good corner. There's also no disputing, even if you talk to him, that he had a rough game on 
Monday night against the Redskins. There's absolutely no doubt about that whatsoever. Um, even he admitted it in a in a post game interview that he really had a very poor showing out there. And so, you know, the the problem with Peters is I know a lot of people that are listening to this have probably seen his uh his his post game interview, probably seen a gif of him screaming at a fan on the sideline. Um, you know. <laughs> Peters can occasionally be a difficult guy to like, in my opinion. He is definitely not a guy who maybe is um, mature in a lot of ways. He seems like a very bright guy. He's definitely a very talented player who works hard at his craft. But as far as maturity level goes, and I don't mind saying this, I'm a 32-year-old dude with five kids, and if it makes me sound old, I don't really care. Um, mature people don't sit there and scream F you at someone on the sidelines in the middle of a game. Now, do some fans do that? Yes. And I would doubt that fan's maturity too. Whatever that fan said to him, yeah, that guy's probably immature too. Um, Unfortunately, all too often, it feels like Peters is just skating that line between passionate and ill-advised. And it's a lot harder to swallow those times in a game where he has two touchdowns scored on him. That said, both touchdowns, Peters was in position. Um, the first one was a decent throw where Peters mistimed his jump. And he even said that. He said, I just misplayed it. And he did. And he admitted it. And I loved that about him. He didn't He didn't uh, make any qualms about it. He's like, no, I was weak. I was weak out there today. And he, he just flat out said it. I appreciate that. Um, the other touchdown was a short throw that the quarterback just had really good ball placement on. Peters had position, but a great throw like that, not much you can do about it. He contested as well as he could. Um, Marcus Peters continues to be a very, very good corner. He is it's been it was interesting seeing a team go after him a bit more. It'll be interesting to see to see if teams start to. Uh, first few games, teams stayed away from him. The last couple of games, teams haven't. And what I'm guessing is going to happen is you're not going to see, you might see teams stop avoiding him quite as much until he has another game where he gets a couple picks or something like that. And then you'll see them stay away from him again because he still is. He's not a boomer bust corner anymore. Anyone that says, oh, he gives up too many big plays or all that stuff to be an elite corner, I got to be honest, I, those feel like people that haven't really watched his film since he was like the first half of his rookie year because he doesn't give up that many big plays. That's why what happened against the Redskins was so unusual. Um, but he's a guy that you can get a few completions on. The problem is if you make any mistakes, he's going to pick that ball off. And I think that's probably what will end up happening here after, you know, a game with a couple touchdowns. He seems like a guy with a real short memory, obviously a ton of confidence. So I don't think it's going to affect his play moving forward. Um, and as far as the whole, you know, yelling at the fan thing and stuff, do I wish he wouldn't do stuff like that? Yes, I do. Um, that annoys me personally. It also annoys me that the fan was yelling at him. And look, if you're a listener, whoever you are, uh, uh, throw me a DM on Twitter, shoot me an email and tell me your side of the story. Cause I'd like to hear it. Cause I'm assuming that he just didn't start screaming at a fan for no reason. Now it could be the fan just said, come on Marcus or something like that. And if that's the case, well then that's ridiculous that he flipped out, but I've got a feeling it was probably a little more than that. That said, um, if Peters is going to be a guy who's going to be a team leader, which you want your most talented guys to often be team leaders, got to see less of that stuff. And so we'll see what happens moving forward. He's a fantastic talent, and um, I'm glad he's on our team. So um, 
you know, with Peters, it's kind of a give and take thing, much like it is at times with Travis Kelsey. And speaking of the defense, one thing to watch looking forward, there was a distinct lack of pressure pressure on Kirk Cousins on Monday night. And in all of the Chiefs previous games, um, after they stopped dropping eight and just rushing three, the Chiefs were consistently able to get pressure. That was not the case against the Redskins. Um, they did a really good job on Justin Houston. You know, sometimes they were doubling him. Sometimes their tackles just did a nice job. Um, but they, I think D Ford was missed on pass rushing downs. Zombo actually made a few good plays and I think he did real well as a backup. Um, you know, he gave up some plays too, but overall I thought he did a nice job for a guy who's just in there filling in. Um, but you can tell that there's a difference in the pass rush without D Ford in there. Um, but that's something to keep an eye on moving forward because the pass rush feels with the personnel that they have, it feels like the pass rush should be elite, but they're not quite there. They've got a good pass rush, but not an elite pass rush. So that's something to keep an eye on moving forward. And so, you know, that's a lot of information and a lot of stuff to think about just from the, uh, the Redskins game. But, uh, you know, like everything else, I mean, even though it was a fantastic win, the Chiefs are the only undefeated team in the NFL. They are the best team in the NFL. And it was, a, it was seriously just such a great win. I, I wish I could describe to you the electricity in the air um, after that win and high-fiving everyone on our way out and just how loud Arrowhead got and just what a great win it was. And hopefully you were there, and if you weren't there, seriously, ask a friend who was there, and they'll tell you it was just ridiculous out there. But as great as all that was, now we move forward to the the next game, and the next game happens to be kind of a new coming, an, 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 a new rival in a sense, especially from a fan level. Um the uh, the Houston Texans over the last few years, there's really been kind of a bubbling rivalry between the fan bases. Now, some of that I probably only think so because, you know, for those of you that read Arrowhead Pride, you've probably seen some comment sections, and if you haven't, you've missed out, where um, Battle Red Blog, that's the Texans SB Nation blog, and the users there have really gotten into it with Chiefs fans. And it's started to really become a thing. And the other thing is they've been playing every year, it feels like. And familiarity breeds contempt. That's how it always happens, right? When you play each other every year, it just there's something about it. And so, you know, the Chiefs lost to the Texans last year, much to the annoyance of the Chiefs fans. until Because up until then, the Chiefs had really kind of owned the rivalry. And then when they just destroyed them in the playoffs at their house, it kind of created a big brother, little brother mentality, at least for me and for other Chiefs fans that I spoke with when dealing with Texans fans. Well, then, you know, the when the little brother manages to, to haul off and, and finally land a good one on the big brother that knocks him down, well, you got to shut up for a while. And it was unfortunate because the Chiefs played one of their worst two games of the season against the Texans last year, and the Texans were able to narrowly escape with a win. And it was just annoying. It's just so annoying. But it is what it is, and the Texans, from all appearances, are an improved team this year. Well, I, and I say by all appearances for a reason. Um, Deshaun Watson is a real hot commodity right now. He's had two big games in a row. Um, I'm not quite sure I'm buying the hype on Watson yet. Um, 
But we'll get into that in a second. Except I really liked Watson coming out. So I don't know. I, I don't know what to think. Well, here's what I do know. They got a very good defense by whatever metric you choose to measure it by. They've got a very, 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 very good defense. Um, they, they, they've got an exceptional defensive line. Got solid linebackers. They got some good corners back there. Uh, they're just a good team overall um, on defense. And so that's going to be yet another test for the offensive line, for Alex Smith, for Kareem Hunt. They have faced some really good defensive units so far this year. Frankly, I love it. I mean, this is how you prepare for the playoffs. You play good teams early. And, I mean, we've talked about this. The Chiefs' early schedule is a is, is just brutal. Um, you know, that's that's just how what we've always known going into the season. And as the season has drawn on, it's looked even more difficult considering – the the how the season is played out you know we thought the eagles might be a tough matchup but then you know with the way they played they were even tougher than we expected washington has been tougher than expected new england was maybe not as tough as expected though their offense was just as good as advertised um and but now once you know with houston looking improved they're tougher than expected um you know, it's just it's just a tough series of games. I mean, up next you've got Houston, Pittsburgh, Oakland, Denver, Dallas. You don't really have an easy game there until the Giants. And I mean, no NFL game is easy, but that's not you know that that's the first game against a team where you're like, yeah, they're not that good. Um, even though you know Pittsburgh and Oakland have kind of disappointed lately, they're still dangerous, talented teams. Then after New York, after the Giants, you've got Buffalo, who's looked way better than expected. Um, they're really, I mean, then down the stretch, you've got, you know, the Jets, the Raiders, the Chargers, the Dolphins, and the Broncos. So that's where things kind of ease up a bit. But it's just a tough schedule early, and I love that because I really, really want them to really get tested early. I don't want this to be a situation like, you know, starting off 9-0 and and you're mostly playing backup quarterbacks and teams that aren't that good. And, you know, you kind of almost build up a false sense of confidence and you play a good team and you get walloped. This has been really nice to see. And the Texans are definitely a part of that. Um, you know, they've got a really good wide receiver group, obviously, um, you know, especially DeAndre Hopkins, who is just an absolute animal. He's given Marcus Peters problems in the past. He gives every corner he faces problems. And the issue for Marcus Peters is with most wide receivers, he can win at the catch point regardless of what else happens. Against Hopkins, he can't. Hopkins has proven that he can beat Peters at the catch point, which basically means he can beat Marcus Peters at his own game. So it's a tough matchup for him. Um, And, of course, now everyone knows they have – Deshaun Watson quarterbacking them, and he's had some success. Um, you know, obviously, you know, their first game against Jacksonville and even their win against Cincinnati, he did not look particularly good, like at all. And there was a lot of talk that it was too soon for him to start, a lot of jokes about, oh, we knew they wanted Mahomes and all that stuff. The last couple of games, he's passed for over 250 yards. He's He's been running the ball well. He's looked like a solid guy, and I just, I just got to – Remind everyone that I, I got to take Watson seriously because I was plugging for him during the offseason. Yeah, I wanted Mahomes first and foremost, but Deshaun Watson was my 1A, and he, in my opinion, was an Alex Smith you know, 2.0, a faster version with maybe a, a slightly better ability to fit the ball into tight windows, a little more aggressive nature. And I think so far he looks like a guy who is 
an upgrade over what they had at the position last year. They're a very complete team. So you had a, even a decent quarterback, and it makes it tough. And I think Watson is a decent quarterback. So it'll be another tough game. You know, it's in Houston. Um, but that said, I don't know how good the Texans are. Because you, you look at them, and week one, they get shellacked by the Jaguars, who no one can figure out. Week two, they barely get a win against a Cincinnati team that, other than against the Browns, has looked pretty pathetic. They lost to the Patriots in a shootout. Um, and then they stomped all over Tennessee. However, Marcus Mariota got hurt, didn't come back after the half. And that's when, you know, the Texans went on a, uh, it was like a 27-zip run, I believe it was. And obviously, you know, Mariota doesn't play defense, and, but... It, you could clearly see that it was a situation where seeing Mariota go down just sucked the life right out of that Titans squad. And so I just don't know. They're a 2-2 two and two team with one impressive win and one impressive loss to their name. Their other two games were just kind of blech. Whereas you've got a Chiefs team with three very impressive wins and one win that's at least an okay win. And so... I, It'll be interesting because the Chiefs have played a significantly tougher schedule so far, and they're 4-0. Um, I think it'll be a good game. I think Houston's very talented, and they may be built to take advantage of the weakness the Chiefs currently have up front. Man, it would be great to see that line get healthy because they looked solid prior to these injuries just wreaking havoc. And so... Houston's a team, especially J.J. Watt and Clowney. Those are guys who can take advantage of a weakness up front. And so I'm a little spooked of what might happen there, but I'm also very confident in Andy Reid's ability to try to scheme around it. He's on a short week, so that's tough. But the good thing about it, and I'm not trying to make excuses in advance or anything like that because I think the Chiefs have a good chance of winning, um, is that they're kind of playing with house money at this point. No one, including me, um, thought the Chiefs would start off 4-0 against New England, Philadelphia, L.A., and Washington. Um, the, the most optimistic of us thought maybe 3-1. and And so they're kind of playing with house money a little bit right now. Um, they do have a game coming up against the Steelers immediately at, thereafter, and we'll see if that one's as tough as we thought it would be to start the season. The Steelers have had the Chiefs number lately, but that team just looks like they're in disarray right now. So hopefully <laughs> they continue to be in disarray. That would be excellent. But that's going to be a good, good game. I underestimated Washington. I'm not going to do it again with Houston. And so... I, I think that they are very specifically built to take advantage of some of the problems the Chiefs are having right now. But I also think the Chiefs are the best team they've faced by far. And, you know, they're coming off a big win. And that is not a team that's used to having a significant amount of success. And so we'll see if they've gotten a little full of themselves. Or, now that the Chiefs are the only undefeated team in the NFL, or are they going to get up for this game and it'll be, you know, their early little Super Bowl? That's part of the problem with being undefeated is you are circled on every team's calendar as a huge game. And especially, like I said, when you play each other every year and there's a little bit of familiarity there. So I'm excited to see how that game goes. In the meantime, the Chiefs remain the only undefeated team in the NFL. I had an unforgettable experience um, on a road trip, you know, with my big sister, we, we got, we convinced our spouses to watch our, our kids and we, we, we stayed with some good friends. We ate some great food and I got to meet 
quite a few of you guys and you guys were just all so kind and 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 just awesome to hang out with and and speak to some of you said some ridiculously nice things to me that aren't even kind of true but i'm gonna take it because you know i i I basically compliments are my sustenance and so that's what i live off of and so it was just a fantastic road trip and an incredible unforgettable experience at arrowhead watching your kansas city chiefs maintain their status as the best team in the NFL. I, I keep saying it, and I'm going to keep saying it. It is a good week to be a Chiefs fan. This has been the Chief of the North podcast. Thank you for listening. If you could, whatever uh, whatever method you use of listening, iTunes, Podbean, Google Play, if we're on there, I don't even know. Whatever it is, if you could subscribe and review and rate and do all that stuff, it does make a difference. Um, I appreciate you listening. As always, it's been an absolute privilege to talk to you guys. And I will see you again next week. This time we'll be back to our usual time on Monday. All right, take care, guys, and go Chiefs.